Hi, and welcome to the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. I'm your host, Tegan Thompson. I'm a book lover, a chocoholic, and an INTJ living in a world filled with extroverts. I made this podcast to share my experiences and struggles as an introverted perfectionist and to bring the inner workings of an introvert's mind to introverts and extroverts alike. So grab a cup of tea and get comfortable. It's time to unmute. And welcome to another episode of the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. I just want to make a quick announcement again that the order deadline for a THP merch is this coming Monday, April 19th at 11 p.m. So if you want to order any THP merch, uh, do it by then. All right. So this week we will be talking about police violence in America, and I know this might be a heavy subject but um i hope you'll stick through to the end and listen to everything i have to say today um i kind of kept going back and forth on this week's episode topic i wasn't sure if this is something i should address um or how i would address it but with the Derek Chauvin trial going on in hopes of getting justice for George Floyd's murder, um, and then the recent murders of Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center, who was only 20 years old, and Adam Toledo in Chicago, who was only 13, I just knew that this was a topic I couldn't shy away from, and I'm going to just like talk about it and go full steam ahead basically and I know everyone is feeling different emotions and I feel like talking about my own emotions is not enough and isn't impactful because it's personal for me and it's going to be personal for other people so I want to focus on the non-disputable statistics Um, because you cannot argue about those. They are facts. They're based on data taken. And so, yeah, whereas my emotions, someone could try to argue about it. And I, I don't want there to really be that room for argument. I want people to see it for what it is. So I want to start by addressing police violence against all Americans, and when I say all Americans, I mean people of every race, every gender, and every age group, Um, because obviously there's an undeniable uh, racial discrimination against the BIPOC community that I will address later, but I want to start with the violence that every single American faces from the police in the U.S. Um, And to do that, I'm going to just share statistics from the past few years to kind of help you get a picture of what it looks like. So in 2019, the U.S. had 1,099 killings by law enforcement. Um, that is like 33.5 per 10 million people. 
Um, and, you know, if this number alone, the 1,099, if that number alone doesn't shock you and kind of go like, what the heck? There's clearly something wrong. Then I'll, I'm going to do a comparison for you. So, in the same year, 2019, Canada had only 36 killings by law enforcement, which is 9.8 killings per 10 million people. And Australia had 21 killings by law enforcement, which is 8.5 killings per 10 million people. The U.S. has the highest killings by police compared to every other country and it has more than every other country combined. Canada and Australia with their 36 and 21 killings respectively are the two next highest after the U.S. And you know, there's even some places, such as Iceland and Norway, that had zero, zero killings by law enforcement, which is shocking and kind of terrifying to learn about. Um, you know, I remember it was just like a couple years ago that I learned that there are places in Europe that police officers don't usually carry guns like it's unusual and I was like wait what I don't carry guns that is weird because I'm so used to and like it's ingrained in my mind that police carry guns police should carry guns because that's what police officers do but like there's all these other places where crime rates are lower and Killings by law enforcement are lower, and yet these police officers aren't carrying guns. And I think that was, like, the first time I realized that, you know, we're doing something wrong. We are doing something really wrong. We don't need our police officers to be carrying guns. Um, so that was 2019. In 2020... There were only 18 days in all of 2020 in which the police did not kill someone. 18 days. 18 out of the 365 days we went through in 2020. <laughs> of all of 2020, there was 1,127 total police killings. And every year that number just seems to get higher and more people are being killed by the police. And it's, it's terrifying, honestly. Um, yeah, I, that shocked me. 18 days where there was not one person killed by the police in the U.S. Um, in 2021, as of March 31st, so this doesn't account for anything that's happened in April yet. There have already been 268 police killings. <laughs> that's only a third of the year. And we don't know what will happen the rest of the year. In general, there is a huge lack of accountability 
in law enforcement and on police officers. Between the years of 2013 and 2020, nearly 9,000 people have died at the hands of the police. 9,000 people. However, 98.3% of these killings have not resulted in the officers being charged with a crime. That's only being charged. So they weren't even charged with murder or manslaughter or whatever. There was no charge against them. In over 98% of these killings. And less than 1% of police officers involved in killings between 2013 and 2020 were convicted. Which is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, And this kind of just shows it, it tells the police that it's okay. That police officers can get away with murder and it continues to perpetuate the lack of accountability being held against them and them feeling like it's okay to use deadly force against the people they should be protecting. So I just wanted to kind of point out these statistics to show that there is a general and overall problem with our police system in the U.S. That every person living in the United States should be fighting against because this is affecting every race, every gender, every age range, every single person. It's affecting you. It's affecting your parents. It's affecting your partner, it's affecting your kids, it's affecting your friends, it's affecting everyone. And it needs to be acknowledged and be seen as a police problem, a problem with the system of policing in the U.S. as a whole and stop being seen as only a racial problem with the police. Okay? Um, now, I'm not going to discredit the racial issues. I'm actually going to talk about them right now. There is a lot of racial disparities when it comes to police killings in the U.S. And again, I'm kind of just going to go straight for the statistics to show you what I mean. So... In 2019, blacks were killed at 6.4 killings per million, with a total of 259 killings, right? Hispanics had a total of 182 killings, and whites had a total of 406 killings. And again, you might be like, oh my gosh, but more whites were killed, and so obviously like there isn't a racial issue well yes more white people were killed by the police um but you have to keep in mind (laughs) that less than twice as many white people were killed 
by the police compared to blacks. And white people make up about 60% of the population. Whereas black people make up 12% of the population. And Hispanics make up about 18 to 19% of the population. So, again, their total number doesn't say a lot. Whereas when you look at it, like I said, there were 6.4 black killings per million of the black population compared to whites where it was only 2.1 killings per million. Which shows that black people are actually being killed at about three times the rate of white individuals. And Hispanics, they have three killings per million, which is about one and a half times the rate of white individuals. So there's a clear racial disparity there. And like, I don't know how people can look at that and try to tell me that that, oh, that's not a race issue. No, it's a race issue. And if that isn't enough for you to see that, um, in 2020, right, while, like I said before, black people only make up about 12 to 13% of the U.S. population, they accounted for 28% of police killings. That's nearly a third of police killings in the U.S. And they're making up just a little over of the U.S. population. That is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, And on top of this, there's greater black-to-white disparities based on the location you live within the U.S., Um, and the biggest example I have for that is in Chicago, in Minneapolis, black people are killed at about 22 times the rate of white people. So while in general, across the entire U.S., black people are being killed about three times the rate of white people, in cities such as Chicago and Minneapolis, they're being killed at 22 times the rate compared to whites. And that is sad, honestly. It it makes me angry and frustrates me in so many ways. I want to, like, make sure I make this point that there was a note in these statistics that a a statistic for Miami couldn't even be computed because every single person killed by the Miami Police Department between 2013 and 2020 were non-white individuals. I'm just gonna like let you process that because every single person that the Miami Police Department killed was non-white. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, the evidence is there. Like, the evidence is there, and you can look it up for yourself. You can learn about it. You can educate yourself on it. But it baffles me that people are still not seeing it. They want to fight it. They want to say, oh, that's not true. You're seeing it wrong. But when you try to say that it's only black people that are overreacting or people of minority overreacting to this, you're discrediting the fact that there are actually a lot of white people still being killed by the police departments. And that this is a very serious issue that needs to be addressed and needs to be changed. So, I want to kind of just speak to my white listeners real quick and ask you to kind of monitor your thoughts or kind of really think about what you're thinking. Right? Ask yourself if you're thinking things like, oh, they probably deserved it. They shouldn't have resisted arrest or run or been in that specific place. Um, They're probably a criminal. It's probably safer without them here. Why is everything about race? Well, everything is about race for BIPOC community because we get racially profiled everywhere we go. It's consistently on our mind how we should act around certain people so that we don't get judged, singled out, or killed. Um, Ask yourself, when will people, or ask yourself if you're thinking, when will people stop posting about this, or when will the news stop covering it? Um, The police officer made a mistake. No, they did not. We do not make a mistake between a taser and a gun. We do not make that type of mistake. There's training, especially if you've been in the police force for over 25 years. You know the difference. You know the difference. There's no excuse for that. And the last thing that you should ask yourself if you're thinking is, I'm tired of talking about racial problems. And this is a really big one because you don't get to be tired. You don't get to be tired about talking about it, about hearing about it, about seeing about it. You don't get to be tired about those things because as a white person, you get to walk away from it. You get to take your mind off of it. You have that privilege to completely disassociate, separate yourself from the issue. People who are black, Hispanic, indigenous, Asian, they don't get that opportunity. They do not get that opportunity. No matter where they go, whether it's work, the grocery store, um, out with friends, on a walk, even in their own home, they do not get to stop thinking about that. They do not get to stop sitting in the fear of what can happen to them because of the color of their skin. 
so you do not get to be tired of hearing about these issues and learning about them. You do not get to be tired. You can take some time out of your day to listen and learn and educate and advocate because people of minorities are doing this 24 seven. Um, and I kind of just want to speak a little bit to things that people say that discredit and don't acknowledge these racial disparities and racial problems. Um, so the first thing is when things like a police killing happens and it's a person of um, black or Hispanic or indigenous or Asian descent and you say something like, oh, I'm shocked that happened. Or, I can't believe that happened. While you may be in shock because um, maybe the footage got released or it happened close to home or it's just been another one on top of another one, you may be shocked to feel what you're feeling, but you should not be shocked that it happened. And when you say that you're shocked or you can't believe that that happened, it's incredibly offensive to the BIPOC community. And that's because it implies that black pain and black experiences are so insignificant to you that you haven't even taken the time to recognize it yet. Um, it just shows your ignorance. That's, that's what it does. And, you know, if you haven't seen these racial disparities yet, if you're not aware of them, like, turn on the TV. Or look at social media that you don't normally look at because your social media is 100% adjusted to your likes so that you only see what you want to see. Social media is biased. That's for another episode. Huh? Um, yeah. Black people are not surprised. They're not surprised that it happened. Because... It is a very real reality that every single BIPOC person lives every single second of their life. I drive literally three minutes to work and I I make sure that I drive the speed limit. I make sure that I'm paying attention to where I'm driving, two hands on the steering wheel, because I live in a white community and there's a lot of police officers around my house. And I know that 
police officer could pull me over for anything. And I could end up just like the people you see on the news. It is something that is consistently on every black person's mind. And that's why they're not surprised by it because they experience these things. They know how it feels and they know that they could be the next George Floyd or Dante Wright. They, they know this and they feel this fear and this anger. And so saying that you can't believe it happened and that you're shocked it happened discredits the pain and the experiences that black people have felt for hundreds of years. Another thing you should not say is, oh, I don't see color. The first thing I'm going to say to that is, yes, you do. Do not lie. You see color. Everyone sees color, unless you're colorblind, I guess, or you're literally blind. You see color. But there have been studies even with people who are completely blind, where they can tell the difference between people's races based on the sound of their voice. You do not need to see to know that there are different people of different races. This statement implies that, well, for one, you are not responsible for making a change in the racial issues that people experience in the U.S. And across the world for that. It implies that you don't want to talk about racism because it makes you uncomfortable or you just don't feel like talking about it because maybe you feel like you talk about it too much. And it tells me you don't see me for me. Because when I look at myself in the mirror, I see a biracial woman who is, to every single white person out there, a black woman. My skin is darker than what white society would like. My hair is brown and curly. My eyes are dark brown. I know that I look black and it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. It makes me who I am. And if you don't acknowledge that, you don't acknowledge me. So, what I'm asking is that you acknowledge the racial disparities, the racial problems, that you educate yourself on them, that you listen to other people, especially your black friends, your Hispanic friends, your Asian friends, your indigenous friends, you listen to their experiences and you understand that you could never understand what they are going through. And lastly, you advocate for minorities by taking action. As a white individual, you have a voice and you have power that minorities will never have. Or we hope one day we will have. But there can be no change 
without white people. We need your help because the oppressed cannot change the oppressor's minds. That has to change from within. We all need to be held accountable for everything, (laughs) for law enforcement, right? And how we make change within our communities, right? We have the right to vote and to protest. We have the right to use our voice. So use it in your next election and stuff like that for law enforcement so that you can get people in leadership positions that are going to make that change. You know, we need to be held accountable for the racial disparities and biases and prejudices that we see every day. We need to be held accountable in order to make a change. So, um, I know that this was probably heavy and a little bit longer, but I really, really hope that I was able to make a point that it's very clearly like a big racial problem when it comes to police violence in the U.S., but that it's also just a very general law enforcement problem and that that needs to change. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. If you learned anything new or if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll go share it with a friend. And as always, have a good weekend and I look forward to seeing you guys again next week on the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast.